attacked with dead batteries. Yeah, I'm not setting it up. All right. It says webinar is now streaming on live on Facebook. So, all right, guys, welcome to Friday Night Live. Today we have Matthew Fulton as the as the guest. We're gonna set up a couple of ground rules, okay, guys. Ground rule number one: cannot say the word Corona. Can I point? Okay. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, you can point. You can point at the beer. That's fine. But cannot say the word Corona and cannot say the word virus or any combination uh, of it, please. Okay. We we today let's talk about how we we work remote, how we are resilient, how we figure out workarounds around the situation, how we help our clients uh, transition to the cloud and work remotely. Uh, today it's all about solutions what solutions do we come up with what 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 are the questions our clients are asking us how are we helping our clients i think that will be the topic i don't want to hear anything about toilet paper (laughs) now now just uh uh poo poo talk is allowed right but no toilet paper so that's it those are the ground rules so hey uh andrew what's up man what's up with you not too much. And and one other thing I want to add, if someone does say this or does say uh, virus, they got to drink. Which means you have to drink. But we all drink. <laughs> yeah. Which is. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not playing that game. No, not all of us. If you say it, I'm, I don't trust that one. Corona, 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 Corona. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, see, I solved this a long time ago just by switching to Newcastle. Now we don't have to worry about it. But what do you mean? Sorry. Switching to Newcastle? It's, I, it, it's it might a be a joke. Oh, it's, okay. a, it's a hipster beer from LA, probably. I'm like, I don't know Newcastle. So. Oh, okay. Oh, well. It was worth a try. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, I, drink, I drink scotch, so yeah. I don't know what that is. So, it's yeah, it's been, you know, obviously, this word is all over the news right now. It's all anyone is talking about. Um, we decided today to close down our office um, to make the whatever help that we can do and try to help uh, make sure that our team don't have to ride public transportation and can make whatever um, adjustments they need. Because as of, uh, well, this week is the start of March break for, for most schools here in Ontario. And then after that, they've already shut down the schools for what will be two additional weeks after that. So the, the beginning of social isolation has begun Um, So I think one of the big things that's most important with social isolation is finding ways to socialize like Friday Night Live. So I think that that's probably, you know, the the tools and the technology. We're so lucky as accountants who have already been on this curve and this transition uh, to the cloud and technology to not really be significantly impacted by this it it like my team can work 100 remotely we've got the tools we've got the technology it's not an issue for us whatsoever it's unlikely to have any real significant impact on the bottom line of my organization but there's so many people and so many businesses um, that aren't familiar with all the tools and the technology to to leverage uh, work from home opportunities you know there's so many businesses that just rely on that face-to-face interaction, you know, um, and that's, you know, I, I feel bad for those businesses, anyone in hospitality, anyone in retail, these guys are going to be um, severely impacted. And, and how do we, how do we help them as, as accountants, as um, community members, as thought leaders? Um, still a question that that's on my mind. Um, I'm, 
amazed to see so many um, software organizations going out there and trying to do things to help the small business owners. Uh, I know Hector, you posted about Loom and them cutting their prices and providing access to uh, improved versions of their free tools uh, to enable businesses. And, um, you know, I think all of us know what Loom is. Some people may not be familiar with it as the screen recording and video capture tool, which is essential if you're trying to show someone how to do something and you can't actually go to their desk and show them how to do it. You know, having those types of tools, um, you know, having tools like Zoom uh, and, and being able to do what we're doing here, live to live, uh, face-to-face interaction without being face-to-face. Um, you know, there's other things like even Infusionsoft, our CRM um, has come out and uh, put together a small business grant program all these small businesses where they'll give you $500 for anyone who's who's got a small business that needs help and support through these tough times, um, as well as provide mentoring and coaching um, to help them find ways uh, to continue to have their business grow and succeed in these tough times. So, um, you know, they, it's, it's, it's a bit scary these times that we live in, but um, it's also uplifting and positive to, to see how uh, how much people are willing to help and contribute and give back. So, I mean, you know, uh, a little bit uh, apprehensive about what the future holds, but also from my perspective, I, I'm feeling really positive about the fact that we're seeing a lot of people who are willing to help out. Um, so and, and Andrew, before you, I mean, uh, Matthew, before you jump in, I wanted to uh, say, uh, just go back to something that Andrew said. So uh, Loom is a, it's a screen capture software that started as a Google Chrome extension, and now they have a full desktop app. They have a free version where you can create little videos. But uh, I, I remember what the limit was. It was like 30 minutes or 20 minutes or something for the free version. And then you can pay $10 a month and get the pro version that includes basically uh, like a competition to YouTube. You can host the video. You can uh, track its interactions with it. You can password protect the video. It's actually a really cool, awesome app. I, I, I'm going to predict this here. Within the next 60 days, Loom gets acquired by, by a big company. It, it's going to happen. And it's because of the brilliance of the CEO coming out or whatever, their team coming out and saying, we understand the times are tough. We're going to do a lot more video interaction. We're going to extend the capabilities of the, free, of the Loom version for free. And the minute I saw that, I was compelled to create a video and give them free publicity. I, I create a video in YouTube, a 20 minute tutorial. I've never used Loom before in my life. I've only heard of it. Um, so I, I, I tried it out and like, I love this. And I did a video and I posted it in YouTube. So already got 300 views, people are sharing it. So, you know, something as small as, as, as doing something that helps people, it gives you that really good will. And I, I immediately thought, where are all the other companies doing it? Like where is Zoom offering free accounts? They're not. I think Microsoft is offering like three months or six months of free Microsoft Teams. I mean, that's that's pretty good. But where the hell is QuickBooks and Intuit in this process? You know, I emailed the CEO this morning. I wonder if he heard, if he read the, the email. I said, dude, we got an opportunity here, right? We, we are a cloud first company. And I say we because I'm a partner, I'm an accountant, I'm a customer, I'm a shareholder, right? So I say we, we are a cloud-based company that's supposed to be leading the charge of going to the cloud. We have this global phenomenon forcing people to work from home like even we were affected in our office because we were in 100 cloud so so we're in this global phenomenon where's into it saying hey you got quickbooks pro 
we'll get a one year free of QBO. If, if anything, that's all positive ROI because the, the next year they'll be paying a monthly fee. Where the hell is Intuit doing these things? So I felt compelled to email Intuit, hoping that these guys come up, come up with a plan and say, hey, we understand what's going on. Let's help the small business. Let's help uh, business, the economy keep moving, right? And, and, and I know because it happened to us that you will be slowed down when the, your employees all of a sudden are working from home and you're not cloud ready, you will be slowed down. I have wasted three days, you know, just trying to sc scrambling to get our phone system going to get everybody a Zoom account because we everybody had their own free Zoom account, but we didn't have a team Zoom account. Everybody had their own Dropbox account. We didn't have a team Dropbox account. So I realized during these times how non-cloud ready we, we were and we had to scramble the last couple of days. Now, good thing we're a high tech company and we were able to figure it out, but all these high tech companies are cloud first. They need to jump all over this you know, really, really quickly. Um, so I think that's just a big opportunity and it's still sitting there. And from all this chaos and from all this catastrophe, and hopefully this economic scare is a short one, but you never know. Uh, you know, there's gonna be tons of opportunities. And I think the ones that help first. Forward. Yeah, go ahead. I, you know, this I see is a great, great opportunity. I mean, we've had, the stock market has been unbelievable since 2009. Uh, we knew a correction was was long overdue. Um, I mean, I, I know with from our perspective, we were in a holding pattern. We weren't buying anything anyways. We were um, we were preparing our cash, cash position for an inevitable correction. Um, and I think this is a tremendous opportunity. I'm looking around and going, you know, you're seeing 30% corrections. And is Intuit's revenue going to drop through this? No, it's going to go up. Is, you know, companies like, I don't know if, if Loom is even publicly traded, but Loom, you know, you look at so many of these companies, these are, these are tremendous buying opportunities. Canadian banks, this is, this, this is a win. But Matt, what's your take on that? So a couple things real quickly uh, regarding Loom. Um, Zoom actually announced also they're offering free services to all K through 12 for teachers and students, which I think is a phenomenal idea. It's a great, I mean, think about it. Webinars, if you, depending on the class size, right? There's no reason why education has to stop throughout this period. Uh, it may not be ideal. And yes, there may be scenarios where certain um, students may not have access to internet, which would be great if we all did, but bottom line, we still need to try to do what we can for the masses and try to find ways to help support those who don't have that access. So I wanna just you know draw attention to the fact that Zoom is doing that. Uh, but in regards to Loom, what I really appreciated is the offer felt extremely sincere, yeah. extremely sincere. There are going to be bandwagon companies out there that are gonna be like, hey, here's a marketing opportunity and, you know, consumers will remember that, right? They'll always remember that type of stuff. And so I, I think this is great. Hector, I actually agree with you. I think that, I think Loom has been on a great trajectory for some time. They are the perfect example of a startup with the hockey stick growth. Everything they've done has been phenomenal. I mean, I haven't looked at their financials, of course, but their growth, their trajectory, everything else is amazing. Does anyone know? What's that? Traded? No, they're not. not. They're, they're not. But but the, but do the financials matter? I mean, into oh, no. about about Credit Karma. If you look at their financials, you know, it, they, they weren't buying financials. <laughs> you know, they, they were buying a subscriber list. They were buying potential. They were buying data. I mean, we spoke about this in detail uh, last week. 
uh, or was it two weeks ago? I forget. Yeah, it, it was last week. You know, what the hell did they buy? You know, seven billion dollars worth yeah. of what? You know, they were they bought data. Now in Loom, I don't know what you know what the value is, but I think the value is the goodwill. You know, you got this really light app, it's free. I don't know how many users they have, but video communications is gonna explode. It should have exploded already. It's gonna explode. And granted, look, um, I like person-to-person communications. You know, I've I teach QuickBooks desktop, which by the way, I canceled the class. It was supposed to be next week. I was really excited about it. Nine months waiting for my classroom to be ready so I could teach my class and I had to cancel the class just because it made sense to do it. Um, and we have 14 people that had paid 500 bucks to get into that class. And I love teaching in person. I love the, you know, looking at the students, making the personal connection, handshaking, which is now going to turn into some weird distant, you know, uh, hand gesture now. But I, was saying, I like that person to person experience. I like the, you know, uh, meeting new people. I like that, you know, connecting with other human beings. So I wasn't so much into the online stuff, although I've been doing online education for a very long time. I appreciate the, the, the person-to-person stuff. And I, in many ways, I want to keep it alive. I, I, I want people to congregate and, and to learn in groups together. But no matter what, I think regardless, I think the vaccine comes out tomorrow. I think at this point, society has changed. Society has now, society has now learned how potentially damaging not being prepared for an unknown like this is. And unfortunately, and it hurts me to say this, I think people will stop being so close. I I don't mean just proximity wise, they're going to stop being, I think people are going to keep their distance. And that's the one that's, that's the thing that saddens me the most, Uh, you know, because I like that. I I like actually appropriate touching of other people, you know, I, you know, I I, I like like inappropriate touching as well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I like, you know, I, I like tapping somebody <laughs> in the shoulder, you know, I like, you know, you know, hitting somebody in the chest when I'm making a point. I like that stuff. And and, and that's probably going to go away for the most part with this whole social distancing thing. But we, I think we'll, sure. we'll prevail. We'll figure out a way around it, I think, somehow. So uh, real quickly, uh, just real quickly, because you touched base also on the whole idea of I, I agree. The ability to go cloud based is amazing. For those people out there that do not, that are desktop centric, there are other options out there like Qbox, which can help you and your team work remotely if you need to. It isn't, you know, it's not the same idea of an enterprise environment where you have multiple users and a server, but there are resources like that that you can look into to still access the things you need to, of course. Yeah. What's interesting though, is even those of us, uh, like Hector, you are saying that, you know, as, as much of a leader you are in the cloud, industry, there's still things that uh, that you hadn't anticipated, like your phone systems and stuff like that. Um, like for us, I, I guess the big thing that we had is, well, we're very cloud centric and we, we run on terminal services and we have VoIP phone systems. So from that functionality standpoint, we were good to go. Um, but we still have clients who come in and meet us face to face. We still have clients who physically send us documents to process. And we're about to run into personal tax season where historically we were sent a lot of paper documents that we would then scan and digitize. And when I when we were sitting here talking about, okay, it's time to shut down the office. One of the things we're like, oh, what the hell do we do about the people who still send us paper? Right? Like um, I can't, I, I gotta have someone go into the office every couple of days and see if there's any mail, pick it up and then scan it. I still got to deal with 
with those things. It's all these little details that we're not even going to really realize uh, until we actually get into the weeds of, uh, of doing that. I, I guess one of the things that I'm, uh, again, somewhat excited by is that um, as, as much as this is scary for us to go, okay, as of Monday, our office is closed and you're no one's coming into the office at all and people aren't climbing into the office is that this is a great um learning curve for us to be able to test sample um all these uh things that we weren't doing perfectly um in a way where uh clients are also going to be forgiving because they know we're trying to do our best here uh, we're trying to make it work for you but we're also trying to make sure that our team and that our clients themselves are safe and healthy and, and that's an important factor. So this is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for anyone in the cloud industry who hasn't already made the transition to being 100% cloud to, to go through those pain points and those tripping things and tripping hazards um, in, a, in a period where people are gonna be a little bit forgiving um, and come out the other side with potentially a better business. So, I'll add to the forgiving thing a little bit because I think that on top of the fact that our clients are probably going to be forgiven through through the transition that we're going through uh, to be able to serve people from home and stuff, I think that the best accountants are also going to be forgiven with our clients because I see an avalanche of customers that can't pay on time uh, of customers that are not ready themselves to scan documents to get the stuff of customers that have their own team members uh, moving into you know to to home based businesses and they won't have all the information. So I think that in the next six months, the most patient and understanding firms are probably the ones that are gonna prevail. Because if 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 you're if you, if you don't have that in you, that patience of maybe maybe helping your clients by charging them less or let, giving them payment terms or giving them different avenues to. Just, just be more flexible. Just say, oh, you have to send it to Dropbox and that's it. You know, we might have to just extend our flexibility a little bit during these times because it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for us to navigate and also difficult for our clients to navigate. So I wanted to add that because I, I just foresee, you know, a lot of things changing in 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 our side in terms of pricing and terms and and flexibility. What one about of, you, Matthew? What do you what, what one you of got? the areas that we've been having? We see the most difficult change right off the bat is payroll services. So for payroll, if you've got companies, if, the, if all the employees are direct deposit, no big deal. Like we prefer as many of our clients to be a paperless payroll and that's beautiful, but we do have a couple of them that they are paychecks and they literally will come and pick up the checks from us every single week. So we've had to establish changes or at least let them know ahead of time right now that what will happen is we will provide them, the owner, the amounts of all the checks, and they're going to have to handwrite checks for each of their people because it's the most effective way to get the, the information to where it needs to be. Um, I feel that also on the payroll side of it, it's our responsibility to try to go above and beyond and stay aware of any uh, programs that are out there to help people that may not be able to pay their employees. Maybe they can't keep them working. You know, the whole reason we're going remote and we've done what we have for our team is to ensure that Mary is not stuck without work. So we we, we are very fortunate that we are pretty cloud-based. So I sent her home with a computer today and we're good. We're good to go at that point. 
but not everybody can do that, especially when you have larger teams like both of you, right? It makes it a lot harder to do that. Right. Now, um, I got a question today that I really didn't know how to answer. It was more of an HR legal question, but I suspect that a lot of our colleagues are starting to get these phone calls. It's like, you know, I'm going to send my, my employees home. Half of them are totally useless at home. The, 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 the type of business doesn't lend itself to being able to do something at home. Like I got delivery people, you know, like, okay, if, if they're not physically in a car delivering stuff, you know, they're, they're, they're useless. So I got retail people, you know, th there are some jobs that, that you just can't do from home. Like you physically have to be on the field, on the job, interacting, whatever. So the question that they asked was, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to start cutting some of these people because we're, we're sort of semi dormant right now for the next couple of weeks until this whole thing blows over. And the question was, do I still have to pay them? <laughs> like, you know, that's, I can't answer that question. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what the legal uh, obligations are, you know, if they're full-time, if they're part-time, if you're supposed to give them a paid leave or unpaid leave. And that part is going to be the biggest struggle because you got all these companies that are going to slow down their production, slow down their sales, and they got a full-time staff and they don't, they don't know what to do with these employees. I mean, I can suggest, you know, send them, send them home and have them learn something, right? Buy them a book, buy them an e-course, which by the way, Anything that's an electronic education right now, it's going to blow over. I mean, so anything, so I think a lot of these employers, they have no choice but to like send people to electronic courses, you know, compliance, you know, get updated with technology A, B, and C, because they're not going to be able to do that, that, that many things. And even in our company, we're thinking, you know, what if our customers stop coming in with work? You know, what if our customers say, you know, hey, possible keeping for this quarter because there's not going to be that much activity anyway, you know, and then our income goes down. So how do, what do I do with my employees? You know, like, you know, we're not a charity, we're a business. So I have to make sure that I have income to pay them. But assuming that I've, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and I think this will turn in 90, 60 days or 90 days, what am I support? How do I keep them busy per se so I can... So I could justify paying them. So those are the questions that I that I'm getting that I have. I don't know what the answers are. Um, I don't know if you have you got any, any questions like that, Matthew. Um, so Andrew, I I can't speak for Canada, so I apologize from that side of it. But I do know in the United States, the SBA, they've actually established it's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program (EDIL). Okay. Now this is something that will help businesses. Um, with funding, with like loans, basically 3.75% interest for small businesses, 2.75% interest for nonprofits um, to help them get through these hard times. But there are some requirements. The county they are, list, they are located in must be approved, which requires a governor to make a request. So there has to be like a state of emergency basically that the governor is requesting for it to be approved for these loans to be available. Uh, I know that they're working at this time on uh, changing the way that um, the, the paid time off will occur. I, I can't get the specific details because I don't think it's been finalized quite yet. I know California is working really hard on that because, I mean, that's, the state tends to be pretty proactive on that stuff. Um, but they are working diligently to try to make sure that people that are not able to go to work, both employees and employers, have a way to have some form of wages but let's be real. That's still not full wages, right? It's minimal wages. Um, 
So they're, they're trying, they are absolutely putting efforts in, but we're at the very beginning of this. You know, if you look at the curve of how this impacted uh, China, it was about a three month cycle to date, a little bit, maybe a little bit more from when the, the number of incidences are no longer increasing. Trying to be very careful not to uh, break the rules of the, the, the show here. Exactly. Um, so if we plan from that aspect of it, there's going to be some time that's that we're going to be looking at this. On top of that, locally, all of Ventura County schools are shut down as of Monday through April 10th, possibly longer. What about all of the parents that go to work, right, that have been expecting that because their kids are gone, what about that? So this is another thing that speaks to the idea of being able to rem work remotely uh, will be beneficial. And we just have to be very understanding of dogs barking in the background and kids playing or this or that. Those are the kind of things that we can, you know, forget about and just push forward on. Yeah. And there is a, there's an inhumane solution to solving dogs barking in the background, just, just saying. <laughs> What about a cat? Is that what you're going to say? Get a cat? No, no. Just get rid of the dog. <laughs> you know, like I, it drives me nuts when I talk to clients and I hear dogs in the background. It drives me insane. So I, I've, you know, I don't have a dog. So obviously I, I got bias on that. But that's a good point, though. That's a good point. I mean, the, the dog silencing business. Oh, look at him. <laughs> or uh, I think the dog silencing business is going to do really well. Um, <laughs> That's a question for you guys. What businesses yes. do you think are going to thrive? I mean, we look at Zoom, we look at Loom, we look at uh, QuickBooks, Xero, um, all these cloud-based applications that enable remote work. Um, what what uh, what businesses do you think are going to thrive through this? And what ones what what businesses do you like when you start looking at them from an investment opportunity? I'll give you a broad answer. I think that if you're in the business of intellectual problem solving this is your time to shine, right? If you're, if you, if you're a, a person that thinks about the problems hard and comes up with solutions, you're gonna do really well, right? What is a solution to integrate IT systems, a solution to integrate teams, a solution to solve problems, a solution to find the government credits, right? A solution to find answers, a solution to find opportunities for the business itself to diversify. Like, you know, you, you can have some business owners that are used to, selling things a very specific way. Uh, like I have my, my client, I have a client that's my cousin that has a landscaping business. He, he's telling me, look, you know, what if you know, the, the, the economy contracts and people don't want to spend money on their landscape anymore? You know, that's going to screw me over. And I said, dude, look at it, look at it in a different way, right? Start framing it as, hey, you're going to be home more. Your backyard is going to be your sanctuary you will help people create experiences like so they can stay at home and enjoy their, their backyards more. So it, it's, I think, again, that's intellectual problem solving, right? Like I didn't have to move any levers. I didn't have to press any buttons. I just have to think about the problem differently. So I think anyone that's in that business, right? Or thinking of the problems differently, thinking outside the box, providing intellectual solutions and, 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 and together with a little bit of research and finding the tools and finding the customers, finding the avenues, finding the opportunities. I think all these people are going to thrive. And I think anyone in the medical industry is just going to thrive. I mean, there's a gazillion billion dollars of government money waiting for anyone in the, in the health industry to, up for grabs. I don't know how that works. I'm not getting into that. 
But I'm sure that if you are in any sort of medical industry or toilet paper distribution, you will you will thrive uh, as well. But my challenge is the the ones that are not right. Retail is going to have a tough time. I don't know how retail is going to. Uh, I don't know how retail is going to get out of this. I really don't know. Restaurants are going to have a tough time as well. Although I tried to order pizza today, and every pizza place was an hour and a half, uh, you know, wait. So for whatever reason, today was a day to stay home and order pizza. Um, I, I was talking to someone in a restaurant a couple of days ago that told me that in, in LA, I think, or somewhere in Southern California. There's a famous restaurant that sells, it's not even, it's not like a brick and mortar restaurant. It's actually like a warehouse turned into a kitchen that has no retail location. And it's called the Secret Burger or something like that. Matthew, I don't know if you know about this. And nope. they only sell through Uber Eats. Like if you want to eat from that place, it's Uber Eats only. And it's not a restaurant, it's a kitchen. So these guys are, you know, geniuses, you know, like they figure out how to how to sell food without all the complexities of having you know, a full-time kitchen with host staff and with tables and they can sell their food. And, and, and apparently people pay 20 bucks for these burgers. So I think that all this chaos is going to bring some surprising innovations that are going to be really interesting. And toilet paper. Okay, look, 1891 is where the patent for toilet paper, as we know it, it was filed. You know, the little roll and the paper and today, over 100 years later, toilet paper looks exactly the same. Look, I think it's time to reinvent toilet paper. I think I think it's evident. It's called a bidet. Right, yeah. <laughs> the reinvent the toilet paper wheel is what you're saying. Well, I, I, yes, reinvent the toilet paper wheel. Correct. There has to be more than one way to fix yes. this this toilet paper problem. You know, our, our county here is definitely not... Um, unfamiliar with natural disasters and catastrophes as of the last couple of years between the Thomas fire, all the different fires we've had around here, right? We've had a lot of businesses impacted by it. Um, and I can tell you one thing remains constant through all of this, that the businesses that want to find a way to survive, find a way to survive. And just like you said, you're talking about pizza. We've got a great pizza place here in town. It's called Pizza Man Dan's, right? And they literally sent out today emails, text messages, everything else talking about their no-touch delivery service that they have, because of everything that's going on, they will literally, you order your pizza, every, they talk about how pristine all their places are, and they do a great job. They will go, somebody will drop the pizza on your, your doorstep, ring the doorbell, knock on the door, and then they will back off and they will wait and watch until they see you actually pick up the pizza and take it inside. So there's a will, there's a way on this stuff. Um, these places, I mean, I, I guess the best thing we can do for our local communities is if and where and how you can keep supporting those businesses, put the, you know, buy, 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 buy. Right now is the time to buy local as much as you can, please people. If you do that, that's what's going to help your local community get through this better. What about you, Andrew? What's going on in Canada? What are their, uh, do they, do you know of any programs that are going on to try to be of assistance? Uh, I know the government has come out and said that they're going to, they're going to try and help. Um, I don't know what the exact programs are, to be honest. I, I think that that, that is one thing I think that um, is incumbent on us as accountants is to learn these different programs uh, and make sure that our, our, um, our clients are aware of them. 
Uh, I know that they're going to be doing programs to help all families um, with particularly daycare. Daycare is a big issue um, and, and not having that, uh, even if you can work from home, but if you have really little children, pretty hard to be an effective employee, even if you've got all the latest and greatest technology with, uh, with little ones running around. Um, so I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things that people are sort of going, what the hell am I going to do now that, you know, my kids are going to be home and I'm going to try and struggle managing them, uh, managing, trying to get some work done um, and, and being effective. Um, and, you know, what, the, what does that all look like? And, and, you know, it's, it's the one thing that's sort of scary is that um, how some businesses are reacting um, and just saying, well, that's your problem, not my problem. Um, and I know um, one company, I'm not going to name, pretty big company here, uh, one of my family members works for, uh, who's basically said, no, we're business as usual. Um, if you, if your kids aren't in school, then you have to take unpaid time off. Um, just, you know, putting a hard line down and saying, yeah. you know, this is it's business as usual. This is, we, we run a business and if you can't make it into work, that's your problem. Which honestly is kind of dumb in a, in a 2% unemployment rate economy, right? Cause you, you're going to well, lose so. some serious talent. You're going to lose some serious talent if you're, if you're not flexible. I mean, and again, I, I think, I think part of the issue it's, it's, is people are a bit myopic when they look at the problem, right? So the problem is you must show up to work, right? Where, where I think the mentality should change to, can we define what are the goals to, to, to you know, the, what, what are the goals and outcomes that derive from your work here and give you the leisure and leadway to come up with innovative ways to solve the problems and to create the same outcomes without forcing that person to be business as usual. Because you would be amazed how some of these people say, shoot, I don't want to lose my job. Um, this company is giving me the opportunity to reinvent the toilet paper, right? And, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm getting lead way to do that. And if I do that, I can prove that I will have more freedom and I can work from home. So all of a sudden, this if you frame it right, this could be the biggest opportunity for you to look for innovative opportunities like we, we have some people here in the chat that are saying that breweries are getting hit hard okay yeah. so so let's talk about that okay so breweries are getting hit hard well you know the problem is that breweries are thinking people need to walk in our brewery to drink our beer you know but what are the other there has to be other opportunities look you got i think part of the problem is all the sports events are are, are being canceled so so people don't have that many excuses to to drink beer, but hey, look. Hashtag replay. Can, uh, right, or, <laughs> Hashtag or, replay. Or, or beer companies can get innovative and maybe beer companies create their own sort of YouTube style entertainment that people can gather a beer around. I mean, I mean, look, the bottom line is if you look at, if you try to, if you try to solve the problem the same way you used to look at it before, you're always going to see what doesn't work. You, mm. you, you kind of have to forget, you have to unlearn everything. And, and think naively and sort of stupidly and, and, and like ask really dumb questions to like, what if, you know, what if we, you know, 
deliver the beer? Or, or what if we do a beer show? What if, I mean, I'm just thinking about the breweries, you know, or what if we do beer subscription? And then we, you know, every month you get seven different types of beers. You know, what if we invent some sort of uh, packaging that delivers the beer fresh from the brewery cold? I mean, there has to be we opportunities. Use, yeah. yeah. And, 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 so it's possible. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know, but, but, but it's because people look at it different. Like, for example, I'm like, oh, I can't find toilet paper. Guess what? There's like 17 toilet paper delivery subscription services out there now. They're smart. Okay. It's not regular paper. It's bamboo paper. bought all the toilet paper. Yeah. It's bamboo paper or whatever else. But again, it, it starts letting you know that, you know, if, 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 if you look at it different, if you look at it different, you're going to see up, you're going to see answers and opportunities that you never even thought that were possible because you, you see it with a whole different frame of mind. And I think that's our, our biggest issue. It's that we, we try to solve, uh, you know, new problems the old way. And that's it. But we, we never knew about the coronavirus. It's a new thing. Oh. Yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't know about this. So why are we going to try to use old, old methods to fix it? You, you know, we have to try Corona and virus. Oh, crap. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fine. Uh, you know what? I'm not complaining. <laughs> So I don't want to hug the microphone, man. Matthew, let me um let me ask you a question because last time you were in the show was probably like a year and a half ago, I think. I think when we just first started. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about your business, and and I know you transitioned desktop to cloud because you used to be a big desktop person. As a matter of fact, we met because you were a big fan of my desktop content. So you know, we'd love to know about your transition to the cloud and what you know, how has it been significant for you? You know, we've, you know, for years, we've always believed that it's more about the right tool for the job. Um, so we still have some clients that will use desktop. More, more of the desktop files that we do now, it's more because the people don't even access their company files. So we put them back to desktop instead of the cloud so we could save some money and still process all the data the exact same way. Um, but we really are a cloud-based technology, you know, accounting firm. So 95% of all of our clients were using QuickBooks Online. I will tell you, we consistently are looking at all the different options that are out on the market. So we are aware of what's there and we continue to choose that this is the best product for us. Um, we are heavily cloud-based. So our phone systems are all VoIP. We use a dial pad phone system, which has really made this super easy. I can get a phone call on my cell phone, my computer, wherever I'm at. I mean, a great example is when I was on my last trip around going out to India and Amsterdam, I could do anything I needed to from any location, which is great because we are so cloud centric for everything. Um, our business, you know, like many of those out there are, we're focused on, you know, small, medium sized businesses, bookkeeping, payroll, that type of stuff. But really the thing we've found to be our niche is workflow design. And by that, I mean, it's trying to help companies really understand how do you connect this to that to get the best, you know, optimal performance out of it with the least amount of steps for their people at the same time. Um, I was able to turn in a, you know, my favorite procrastination was looking at apps or app sites like what was a product hunt and beta list and always knowing what was the latest, greatest app to come out, turn that into a source of income for the business. And it's been, it's been cool. And it was is actually because of you, Hector, we talked about a long time ago about the whole bank feeds and figuring out ways to uh, get more data into the system faster. 
that sent me down this never-ending rabbit hole, which I think I thank you for. Pretty sure I do, but um, you know, uh, I take I'll, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want let me ask you about this whole workflow design thing. So, can you give us one example? You could use the sure. best example or, or or the most specific or the or a very specific one. What's a, an example of something you've done? that if, if I'm a customer that says workflow design, what, what are you talking about? And you yeah. come back and say, let me show you a use case. Is there a good use case you can tell us about? Absolutely. So one of our, our larger clients is a software development company. So the, it's a dev house that has developers all around the world. And of course, just to make our job a little bit tougher, they decide to build their own time tracking app. So we don't get to use T-sheets to pull data and stuff in, right? Um, so what they do is they have everybody clock in, clock out of this thing. They track their time, different projects, everything else. And prior to Parkway, they literally had a person that was taking all of that data and putting it into QuickBooks online. And it was taking them about four, actually, it was about a full week's worth of work for one person to get this task done. So after working with them, we evaluated what were the data points that they were really trying to track because that's one of the key things you always have to figure out. And we, we discovered that if we created the different software developers as items inside of their in, like non-inventory, it gave us a way to create billable expenses. So each of those developers, we have to pay them for their time. This made it to where we could set them up as a preferred vendor we could sell these different items, take those bills, make them as billable expenses, and then take that, turn those into invoices to collect. Through the process of doing it this way, and I'm trying to summarize it without going too crazy, we took that one process down to, takes me 45 minutes to do the entire process. So workflow design, sometimes it's as simple as just listening to the inputs and outputs that are available recognizing the best way to use the platform, in this case, QuickBooks Online, now advanced, and then using the tools like we've done with CData to be able to capture all the data, organize it a certain way, and push it all in very quickly and efficiently. So that's one example of how you could really save a lot of time with workflow design. And think outside the box too. That's what I like about that idea. It's like you're taking an idea, a tool that wasn't meant to be used for what you're using it for and using it in a creative way that solves a problem, leverages the power of the built-in functionality ways people hadn't, hadn't thought of. So very creative. I like it. Thank you. One that we've been, I've been working on right now is it's the relationship between QuickBooks Online or QuickBooks Online Advanced, QuickBooks Payroll, and T-Sheets. The way you structure and set up all of those different pieces together will make or break your ability for job costing. So I have spent the last couple of weeks making videos, writing out specifics of how to do these different details, not only for our team on the back end, but to try to share the knowledge with others, because it becomes a question. Do you map the payroll items using T-sheets or maybe you map the payroll items using QuickBooks Online? So those are aspects, again, of workflow that the way you structure it will actually impact the outputs you get. Uh, just a quick question. And, uh, yeah. and by the way, the whole explanation that you have with the non-inventory items and that stuff, if you're a QuickBooks nerd, that was all very, uh, what's the word that my kids use? Uh, it's satisfying, right? That's a new, that's a millennial word, right? So the whole thing was satisfying. But if, you're not a quick, if you're not a QuickBooks nerd, that was Greek. Anyway, yeah. um, 
Uh, so wait, so a, a quick, just nerdy question. Why would it make a difference using QuickBooks Online Advanced versus let's say plus or even essentials? Let's just say plus because of job costing. Why would it make a difference? What is it about advanced that plus doesn't have that could make a difference when it comes to job costing and T-sheets and, 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 and payroll? Custom fields is one of the biggest things right off the bat. So there's more functionality, of course, with advanced that comes into play that you can use. The biggest one being custom fields. So I start off by talking about the need to but, track but, certain- But hold on, custom fields are not in the API, which means that no custom fields uh, transfer between T-sheets and QuickBooks. So where, where is it? Very, you're absolutely right. So there, if you're talking about the T-sheet side, they actually have a projects concept where you can, it does link up and you can build estimates of time and you can say how much you think of this person's time is going to take so forth. But you're right. That data does not transfer into QuickBooks online. Even what you can do currently by use, connecting T sheets, pulling it into to QuickBooks online with projects, you have the ability that you can take all that time, turn it into billable time and create invoices off of it at which time you can then add on additional custom fields for extra data points you need to track. For example, in that first, um, I was talking about the software development company. One of the things that we needed to do there is we wanted, of course, the most common one is sales rep for the different dev jobs, but we want to know the country manager also, uh, because they, again, we had different teams, you know, somewhere in Russia, somewhere in Southern America, so forth. So by adding those things on, they were manually done at this time because QuickBooks needs to let everybody access all the custom fields through the API. Um, as soon as we have that ability, we can do a lot more. Uh, now keep in mind with the new advanced features where you can do like batch invoicing, now you have the ability, you can add the custom field values on through batch invoicing where you can copy and paste stuff in. So it's- Right, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to give into it any more free publicity because they, they they're not giving me any money oh, for this for for this podcast. So I, I know that you're passionate about QuickBooks Online Advanced. I just I was trying to I was wondering why that would matter. But long story short, yeah, I want the clients that pay that can afford to pay $150 a month for uh, their software because that means they can pay me a thousand for my services. So I I understand where you're coming from. I I, I love QuickBooks Online Advanced value proposition. Uh, because of that. What about, what about you, Andrew? you have any comments or questions about uh, about that workflow design concept? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, um, you know, I think it's becoming more and more an important part of um, what our roles as accountants are, is looking at our clients' businesses, trying to identify um, opportunities for improvement, being creative. I, I think that's the most important thing that I think that, that Matthew's bringing to this to workflow design is creativity. Um, and it's something that I think uh, accountants have historically lacked is creativity. They were great detail oriented, um, you know, excellent at getting the numbers right, uh, but not terribly, terribly creative. Um, and so I think that that's, that's the thing that excites me because I like to think of myself as a pretty creative person is that our, our industry is evolving into a very creative um, industry where, um, thinking of different ways to do things. And, and I don't know about, I mean, I, I actually, I do know that both of you guys get excited by doing that, by being able to use your mind and solve problems as Hector puts it, um, 
and and come up with solutions to things like it's like a puzzle right like yeah i think all three of us are i mean i think this is why we get along so well is all three of us think the same way we enjoy solving a puzzle and there's that satisfaction that you get when you can step back and go i did it you know and i've created this great solution um that has saved x amount of hours right i, I mean for me i get a lot of that out of what i do with infusion infusion soft yeah. exactly um but it, it's it's the same thing so if i'm doing it over here in infusion soft you're doing it in your workflow uh management Hector, you're doing it and solving your clients' problems by just doing little things like telling that that landscaper, open your mind. It's not about that they can't afford to to fix their background, their backyard. It's that their backyard is their oasis, and you're helping them fix their mindset is your puzzle, right? And right. and, and and I think that's a great topic. We we could probably end it like that since we kind of started talk, talking about the. The, the, the crisis and working remotely and then the, the fact that innovation will spark from here and now we're ending it with how important it is for us to be creative or come up with creative uh, solutions. Now, since we're all here self-proclaimed creatives, let's maybe wrap it up by saying, what do you think makes you creative? Like, why are you, why are you different than most accountants that are maybe not so, don't, don't have the proclivity to be creative or to have that creative mindset is it because your background is not accounting and then you became an accountant as an older person like like i became an accountant in my 30s already so i spent between 16 and 29 doing other things that's not accounting and i think that's part of what it is i I don't think i was born creative i just i just think i have enough exposure in non-accounting circumstances that helps me do that also my my undergrad is in marketing and, and I fell in love with marketing and I try to read uh, I try to read stuff that's not about accounting I try to read stuff about about marketing and innovation and and other industries because I, I, I think I've, I think I can, I can reap the benefits from seeing how other people solve their own problems and then try to draw the, the dotted lines with my problems but I, I don't I don't want to hear about an accountant that solve a problem and I want to copy them. Why, why would I want to do that? You know, what we're going to copy from other accountants. I want to copy from the artists, you know? So I think that's, I'll start it with that. I think what makes me creative is I, I've, I wasn't, I didn't have to unlearn anything. Like I came from a non-accounting background and that's why I, I almost always look at things in a non-accounting solution, even though debits and credits is sort of stamped in my head and every problem it's a, it's a journal entry. It's a journal entry away from a solution. I know it, but there's things beyond the accounting that I, that, that I tend to look at. So that's in my background. What about you, Matthew? What, do you th- what, what helps you be creative or, or, or why do you think you have the power to be creative that maybe other people don't have? You, you know, speaking for myself, I would say it is my unending des- like quest for more knowledge. I am... I am happiest when I'm learning something new. And when that's combined with the fact I am not afraid to push a button to see what it does. And if I have to, to fix, you know, I figure out what I got to do to fix it. Um, that has really been what's propelled me probably the most in my account throughout all my career is it's just that desire to learn, to try to do something and to figure it out. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Are you Andrew? Well, I think, I think you're right. I think the fact that I, I like you, I came to the accounting prof- 
uh, profession later. Uh, I never had this desire in my mind to be an accountant. And in fact, thought hated the idea of traditional accounting, uh, became an accountant to really solve a problem in, in itself. Um, and I think that what what makes me creative, I think I'm, I'm just naturally a creative type of person. You know, when I was young, I did a fair bit of art and stuff like that. And I was always, you know, and that was fostered in me by, by my mother as well. And, and my parents, both my parents encouraged it. Um, so, you know, that, that creativity was something that was um, always fostered in me and, and was, was naturally there. Um, and really that comes from, you know, just a generally inquisitive nature. Like I, I want to learn things. I want to try things. And like Matthew, I want to push that button. Um, and like Matthew, I'm not afraid if that button makes the object explode, right? Like that's okay. There's going to be another object. I'll play with that one. And that sort of, um, I, I guess that, that chaotic mind that I have too, of like, I have a million and one ideas flowing through my head constantly, which is also why I'm distracted by bright, shiny objects. I also get bored with anything terribly repetitive, um, which is what makes me a terrible traditional accountant. I could not sit in a back room and do debits and credits for seven and a half hours a day, five days a week. I, I would, I would pull my hair out, pull out a gun and shoot myself in the head. Could not do it. Never had a desire to do it. Um, and, and probably would be terrible if I had to do it all day long. Um, I became an accountant um, to, to solve a problem. And because I saw something bigger in this industry than being a number country. And that's thanks to my dad. My dad showed me that, you know, accounting is, you know, it's, it's coaching, it's mentoring. Um, it's being a therapist to your clients. It's a relationship builder. It's doing something different every single day. Um, and it's also um, terribly nice because it also gives you this like great base um, and stability to be able to go off and be creative. You know, that's the one thing I love about accounting is that um, you know, the only guarantees in life are death and taxes, right? We know that we've got a pretty stable business that's going to uh, fund and um, and allow us to do all these explorations. And and again, that credit to my parents. My dad was always that serial entrepreneur, um, you know, always excited by trying new things and doing different things. And he had the accounting practice there as his baby to be able to fund that that creativity and that 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 evolution into different things. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think we should probably save the whole concept of creativity and maybe how, how we can, you know, how, how we think about creativity. creativity, make it a whole episode. Uh, Matthew, let's, let's give you the last word, I guess. What's the best uh, business advice you've ever received? Best business advice I've ever received is don't take no for an answer and don't ever, if you don't ask, you're saying no for someone else. Great stuff. Let's end it there. Join Andrew Wall, Hector Garcia, and Michael Lee. One mission, one rule, make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready?